Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, joined as always by Tom Jacobs over the pond. How are we doing, my friend? Good. It's the start of uh, Super Bowl week, Sky, which is obviously, as you know, very busy and important, and a lot goes on during this week. But there is a small um, you know, deal with the Qatar Masters, I guess, uh, to get through. Uh, we've got enough golf from last weekend's recap as well. So, yeah, looking forward to talking golf to start the week. I thought you were going to say the start of Live Las Vegas week, but I guess the Super Bowl is also there too, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I could do, but that would probably get some terrible comments. So I'll probably keep those off those and put it on lots of words maybe. But um, no, um, well, Liv had it all last week, didn't it? With hot mics and, um, you know, 59s and, and heavens knows what else. But um, yeah, it's... It's funny, isn't it? We've, we've got into these fields now. We're definitely missing these players. Laurie Cantor went is, is a is a rotating player on live, so we lost another guy that we thought we had back. Um, so yeah, things suck at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously we were uh, right direction there with Neiman winning uh, after yeah. we had been on him here. Um, DP World Tour side. Pebble Beach wise played out fortunately um, for the favor of my betting card last week with with Wyndham and uh, I guess it's Oberg at this point. The names changed a few times, but old Luddy uh, won two there. So exciting times overall. And then, you know, Qatar Masters brings us at least to uh, a familiarity, at least that we're comfortable with on the DP World Tour of what's ahead of us this week at Doha. Um, you are right when it comes to course or I guess field strength. Once again, leading the field would be, um, you know, Rasmus, the same type of fields. Any comments of, of what we saw um, this past Sunday? Not really. I don't think. I think it was it was fine. It's, um, I don't know, like Dylan Fratelli was difficult to pick, but by the same token, he was finally making cuts. I think he ended the year in South Africa playing okay and made some cuts to start the year. And ultimately, look, he's a, he's a more accomplished player than you know, 80, 90% of the field at some points, right? So it's not a complete shock that he comes back and plays well. I think that we were, I guess, encouraged by LaCroix getting a place and, and pretty solidly as well, um, keeping up the form. And, and then we'll obviously come into, you know, the players that finished second last week because we'll, we'll probably talk on them. I would say that the consistency from Lombard is is ridiculously uh, is ridiculous, and so is uh, Soderberg. But neither of them seems to be able to get over the line, which is kind of frustrating for people to back them. Um, and then we've just seen, you know, Challenge Tour graduates and Q School graduates do really well so far. So um, it's been a pretty solid Sunday. And, and the one thing I would say is that the people that are really benefiting from these these weaker fields are the people that have come up in class, right? Like it's not as hard a school to stay on, I guess. Um, so there's benefits. We've just seen what Matthew Pavon's done by getting himself a, a PJ Tour card. I mean, he could have actually won again if, if it got into 72 holes, which obviously you were pleased about, Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and well done on that one too there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's I think from a from a golf perspective, we still love it and we still bet on it, so it's absolutely fine. But there's definitely some situations to sort out so that you know at least a couple of the tours can get the right field strength. Yeah, absolutely. A big shout out to Jamie Worsley, um, our friend on Twitter, who who hit not just for Telly, but also hit Wyndham Clark, uh, a dual winner, maybe a sneaky double out there. Uh, if he had, that would have been for the best. But um, Jamie being kind of a solo tip on for Telly, super, super impressive um, last week. And 
Agreed. I mean, I still get up for these type of events, right? I think there is a lot to be played for guys that we like rooting for and, and a lot of form that we're going to roll into. And we do have um, the Super Bowl of the DP World Tour in two weeks, which is our next event. It's the Magical Kenya Open um, coming up, which is, you know, the greatest event in the golfing landscape. So we will be off next week as they gear up for that. But uh, we can dig right into Qatar here. So like we said, Rasmus Hoygaard into Xander Lombard, Sebastian Soderberg, Yannick Paul, kind of our leaders. All of us, I guess, you know, comfortably are still waiting. Now we finally did get the long shot winner. We broke through there um, last week of not having these guys just keep uh, rattling off wins um, in a row, but I'm still okay backing up just into the thirties for us. Is there any of these, I guess four that you feel confident. I mean, they're all playing exceptional, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think Lombard's gonna win. Like, I think it's gonna happen. Um, Tristan Lawrence has obviously been playing great stuff, but I think it's that that one name that probably was the, the next one up, Sky, which is Tom McKibben, that was really close. I think with you know discussions we've had just now um, about you know the back and forth of whether we're gonna pick him or not. So I think it's just I think I'm really comfortable where we are at with our picks. Um, I think McKibbin's a great player, and I think the consistency's there. I just, I don't know. I just don't want to do it for some reason or another. Um, and when they're 28 or 33 to one, I don't, I don't want to, you know, kind of pile into that. Um, I don't know if Rasmus is doing what we want him to do. Is he? Like, like it's, it's consistent and it's great, and he has to be the favourite, right? Like he's 11th, 11th, second, and eighth, but. He's not looked like winning, is he? Like in that period of time, like not one of those times in the, I know like the couple, you know, he was there and finished second behind Olison. He was the 36th hole leader, but once Olison got control of it, he stayed in control. And last week he didn't really trouble the leaders. So I would be slightly disappointed actually in what he's done. And that's just from the really high kind of ceiling that, you know, that I've got for him and, and what I expect him to be, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's like a, the books have to price him where he is, but yep. I'm not fearful. This isn't. No, that's a better way of putting it, I guess. Is like, yeah, like from a as a Rasmus Hoygaard fan and someone that's kind of pinned my flag to him being the best player in the DPL saw this season. I want to see more from him, but from a betting perspective, it's great that he's kind of cornering this market and not necessarily. I mean, he'll go on and win by five this week now after I've said that, but like. It, like it just feels to me like we've got an opportunity here to because beyond let's say even if you included Rasmus in, in this discussion like beyond that you've got Yannick Pauls, Ander Lombard, Tristan Norris, Tom McKibben, Nakajima you know Nakajima could be anything right McKibben's you know potentially going to be a really good player but that's not a group of five or six players I'm necessarily scared of when I'm betting this week no and that's probably the DP World Tour all year long you yeah. know I i there's going to be events that come up that half of these guys that are up here at the leaderboard aren't going to play. And it's going to be the wild, wild west of yeah. what, what we get. I'm excited for that. Um, but I think at the, the time speaking now, the, the man who ultimately is somebody that we both line on for the second week in a row, I can't believe we're getting LaCroix still in the thirties, Tom. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't get it. Everything about what he's doing is exceptional. Now, we don't have history or, or good history, you know, here, but just 
the overall player, the overall form, you know, fourth, third, fifth, 17th in the Joburg. He finished challenge tour season third, 13th, 6th, 8th, 15th, 28th, 6th, right? Has not finished. I guess he's finished inside the top six in, what is that, eight or seven of the last 10? You know, yeah. like it is just exceptional golf being played. His off the tee game was unbelievable at Ras Al Khaimah. It was again good at Byron. I really think that he is as good as that the the grads are this year and as good as anybody on the DP world tour at this moment, for sure. If not, you know, just a top 10 guy week in and week out, if we're going to get him at these odds, I was shocked to see him once again, prices here. Do you know what I think it is about LaCroix? I think people just like look at him and they go, okay, well, he's been around for a long time. Like he's 28 years of age. He didn't win on the challenge tour level. The only place he won on the Alps tour. And I think people just assume that this is form that can't be sustained right now. The one caveat, now he is true, he didn't win on the Challenge Tour and it maybe is impossible to sustain. He might not be that type of player. But the one caveat I would put to all of that is that he didn't turn professional until he was like 23. So he only turned professional in 2019. Then you lose a year because of COVID or, or whatever, or definitely an interrupted couple of years. So really and truly, he's only been you know, consistently a professional for two or three years at this, at this kind of level. Um, and already in 2021 on the Challenge Tour, he finished runner-up at what, three events, and one of those was the grand final. Um, and then in the rookie season on the DP World Tour, he was fifth a couple of times, so or fifth and tenth, I think. So we only really know him being someone that contends multiple times a year. In 2023, fifth at the European Open, tenth at the Scandinavian Mix. Like, he's only ever really put himself in position multiple times. And the people that he beat on the outs tour, Manuel Vera and Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez are people that have established themselves on this tour as well now. So I think actually people are sleeping on LaCroix a little bit. I know obviously this, it's a bit wild to say that Sky or someone that's 33 to one. It's not that we're talking about someone that's 300 to one, but I think he's a little bit underrated because at 33 to one, the form that he's in is quite incredible. I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely agree. Um, definitely excited to be on the number and hopefully break through. It was three times winner on the Alps story. He won a decent chunk as an am too, right? I don't think it's something where he's, he's backed off in that, in those moments. So, and the tea to green has been so consistent, like oh, the so tracks tea to green games, uh, rounds, uh, tournament, sorry, eight, six, second and four, like four events. It, it's ridiculous. He's the best player in the field tea to green. So I find that really difficult to ignore. Um, and I think it's one of those ones where, like, people just think it's going to end. And that, that's absolutely fine. If it ends, then it ends with me betting with a third three to one this week, and I don't do it again next week. I'm, I've said this a couple of times this season now. Like, I'm I'm not going to get stuck on him betting him at 16 to one because he finished second or anything like that. Like, I'm only going to bet him when the number's right, but it feels right this week. Yeah, and I mean, there's still opportunity within each way, like at 33s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's something that uh, I absolutely love. So, um I think, T, I mean, so if I'm approaching this week and you'll see as my card kind of goes down, I, I do think there is a degree of off the tee that is factoring more and more at this course. Wind is probably the ultimate factor, it seems like. You know, Valamaki, Campillo battled it out last year. Ferguson has won here um, since the redesign in 19. I mean, there's been um, some guys that have crossover link success too. I mean, the Croy has led the field off the tee in back-to-back weeks. So uh, I really like what he has. 
And I really love what our next guy has. Um, is there anybody in between or can I go right into who we're on next? All right, go for it. So Jasper Svensson. Tom, you did an exceptional job highlighting Svensson, um, I think leading into what we were looking at for our, our preview guys of Challenge Shore grads and really off of relatively minimal data. You know what I mean? He just finished the year strong, opened the year strong, finished the year strong, came out early. And what we've seen is one of the best drivers, uh, especially with distance. But I mean, you know, overall, what we've seen, I mean, he's fifth, second, ninth, the last three events. We look at off the tee game and he's delivering. I, I am a little nervous in some ways that he hadn't, I guess he could have won two events by now, realistically, yeah. right? Kind of let Dean take it on the first one. I mean, was right around there battling with Fratelli last week. I really think he could, like, a couple things go the way. Like, kind of like Kitayama had a few things go his way early when he got his car. Like, I mean, you could have two wins your first six events. It's like, holy cow, this guy is a world beater. He's going to be on the PGA Tour after being relatively unknown, you know, yeah. at the age of 27. But 55 to one, when I'm now looking at that as being a strength here, we've seen first timers or rookies play well at this track in the past. I absolutely think him and LaCroix are bang on one, two in form for me and showing up at a course, I think fits to their strengths. 55 is great with that six way each way. Yeah. I'm just surprised. Like I thought he would have the ability to be really good and that's obviously why i highlighted him right but i'm actually surprised with the consistency the fact that he's as you said put himself in contention to win twice already and even what seems to be kind of his bad weeks uh, or weeks where he's kind of found himself out of depth 31st and 47th in those two weeks back to back in um dubai and the raz al and when he was 47th he was 25th going into the final round like conceivably wasn't too far away from just making those top 20s as well only a couple of shots here or there right so there feels like already there's a baseline for what Jesper Svensson can achieve. And that that's really promising. Even in his miscut, the Alfred Dunhill, he was 22nd after round one. So he keeps putting himself there and there. But it's, it's actually really funny. Like even at the Joburg, when he was 70th and he just made the cut, or like he just sort of was last of the people who made the cut, he was third after round one. So every week he's at least getting himself in the mix, right? And one question is, is this going to be something that goes on for 10 weeks where he can't, get over the line and, and that's going to be a problem for him or is it a case of he's just going to keep putting himself there and eventually he's going to fall over one and I'm absolutely fine with finding that out 55 to 1 I think he's got all the assets to be a great player as we sort of flagged at the start of the year and he's done nothing but show that so far so absolutely fine with sticking with Svensson and I just yep. realized that actually I said to you there was no one in between and my second pick is actually in between them so I figured there I think there was somebody else in there my yeah. kind of floats around there depending on where yeah. you price them so I but know. I love that we're aligned on the first two so you go ahead on the next one here yeah, I'll stick it in reverse slightly with Rakoya Hoshino, who I remember getting really excited about last year, thinking that potentially he was overlooked a little bit. This is a guy who's got six wins in Japan already, has lost two other playoffs as well, so he could have had eight, you know, eight wins in Japan already in his career by the age of 27. Um, and then it didn't really materialise for him last year until he lost to Wacky Neiman in Australia, right, where he lost in that playoff, and that was a week up. That was either the week after the week before he then finished second again to Mimu Lee. Um, but Neiman had to, you know, make an eagle to beat him on that second extra hole as well. So it wasn't exactly like he just, he gave it away. Like Neiman went out and won that and that's great for him. Um, and I just think in, in the limited kind of things that we've seen with Hoshino so far, obviously a lot of his stuff is, is Japanese form, right? But also, as I said there, those two kind of Australian back-to-back -back seconds 
is pretty promising in terms of people thinking about wind and things like that. Then the next question is, can he do it on kind of tougher layouts? Well, he was 26th in the 2021 US Open and he was third on the BMW International Open. So we think about kind of the driving aspect of it. That's already promising. Seventh at the Irish Open last year as well. So in terms of kind of like wind and whether he can drive it, you know, far enough and to compete, I'm actually pretty comfortable with Shino. Now, the approach numbers weren't good and they haven't been good for the last three weeks, which is a slight concern. But I think he's the type of player that can find it. I seem pretty confident with Hoshino and that winning pedigree, I think, is going to serve him well. So, Rakoya, Hoshino, these about 45 to 1, maybe 40 to 1 in some places now. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, so, that's, I mean, it's kind of the guy that we we like to find early in bed and, and keep with. And, I mean, Nakajima has come on quick and he has similar pedigree, right, in some ways. But, yeah, I think Hoshino's bang on. Yeah, 50s is the longest odds here in the States, 45 within each way. Yeah. So um, super strong for Hoshino. I think there's a fair argument to be made for Lorothable, you know. Um, he led the field, or like he was top five in approach last week, which is never yeah. Pablo's game, you know. A um, lot of success here, you know. He's wind, been very short games. Like we we like this. I think me and you are aligned in this in some aspects. So like we love it when people start you know popping up on Twitter or X yep. and Instagram and things like that. And like he seems to be very vocal. I mean a lot of it seems to be kind of trying to sort out the world rankings and talking about DB World Tour being forgotten about. And all, like a lot of it's quite negative actually. But the you normally have to be playing pretty well to be chirpy, right? So I think in that respect, um, he would be the one. Him and McKibben would be the ones where I think you know they won. What was I doing? Why didn't I do it? But you can't bet everyone. Um, right. I guess like the McKibben one was a bit easier because he's slightly shorter. So Lorafa Bell, very consistent here. And I would, the one thing I would say about this before we go on to kind of more picks, and we obviously didn't need to, t- we could have touched on this with Lacroix and Svensson. You don't necessarily need to have played well here in the past to to go and contend, right? I think three of the last five, or even maybe four of the last five, have been playing it for the first time um, when they won. And even players with all that, I think like Badamaki had finished 40th or 50th like the year before he won. So um, I don't think it's prerequisite to, to really have had great form. So I'm not worried about the fact that Svensson hasn't played here. I'm not worried about the fact that Lacroix missed a cut when he did play here. Um, Hashino finished 12th, so fine with that. But Larathabal was unbelievably consistent throughout his career here. Like he's had a couple of, he's, I think he's had three missed cuts. But he's also had a fifth, a fourth, a fifth, a sixteenth, a thirteenth, thirty-first, twenty-fifth. So he's just in and around it all the time. My one concern is why hasn't he got over the line? Because he's a player that does get over the line all the time. Like it's not something he struggles with. So he's been a thirty-six hole leader here and, and shot seventy-five, seventy-four over the weekend. He's been fourth here, um, but he was actually ninth going into the final round. He was the first uh, the first round leader and then finished 13th. Like, what is it that he can't put all four rounds together here? So that would be my slight pause on the raft, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Um, you brought up Sammy Valnaki again. He's the first alternate right now in the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Sammy in the desert after popping the last <laughs> time out, Tom. I think that might be something I'm pretty intrigued right, at. Okay. Looking at Matthew Pavon as well, like it, like what he's done over there, that's incredible, right? Like I, I think Pavon, the way that he's, because I brought it up on the kind of show I did last week on Lost of Words, like I was pretty happy to go back to him. I think these players are, are better to, better suited now to kind of put these back-to-back performances. Everyone's going to look at Pavon and go like, this is a career moment for you, you're never going to do it again. 
And he just goes right back out and finishes third. And who knows what would have happened in the final round. He could have shot 77 and completely disappeared. But, you know, that's a first and a third in back-to-back weeks now for Pavon. And it just shows that the opportunities are really there now for these people that get these top 10 cards. So I do think there's an additional motivation for these players. Like Someone like a LaCroix, like really take advantage of these early events um, and then kind of have one big appearance in, in the later events and you're kind of there. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll go here. I've got one more before we get triple digits. Um, yep. Nicholas Norgard Mahler for me. Um, so he's been somebody I think we mentioned... I guess we talked about Heli Kielda last week. Yeah. You know, Norgard Mahler was someone, I guess, you know, if you thought about Ross Alkaima, what would fit? Of course, it would be probably the longest player in the field. I guess Wilco's playing again this week, too. Right there, bang on. But for the longest player in the field to also be top two in greens and regulation, that's just a stat that, man, I mean, if you're going to hit it that far, you're going to hit every green. He's a decent putter, you know, like I think he's a spike putter. We've seen some yeah. big weeks and then some really bad weeks. So decent might be a bad word. A spike would probably be a better word. Volatile, like, we mentioned, I like to call that. Like I think like when they can just go and gain six just as easy as they can lose six. I think it's quite yeah. important. So we, his putter last week was, I think, okay. Nothing that cooperated the best. I mean, some weeks was pretty bad. It was all right at Rassel Kaimley, finished T34. If you look at his history... Again, you kind of see some crossover. Where was one of his best places he's ever played at the Alfred Dunhill links when you really didn't even have much of like, you know, pedigree really to him at all outside of a maiden Himmerlin uh, top 10 the previous year. Last year, his best place or his best finish was uh, the British Masters. Now, the Belfry is not really linksy, but you see people like Ferguson up on the leaderboard, Oliver Wilson, who's a good, you know, links guy. Uh, Mauritius, which can get quite windy. He finished ninth there. Rosner had won, who had won, who had won the Guitar Masters before. Just some interesting pops, I guess, that caught my radar. And then to see his form leading in, distance being a factor, approach game doing all right. Price, uh, it kind of was a little bit lower, kind of shocked me a little bit, which I, I'm okay. I'm not the most price sensitive person. There was 45s. I think there's 60 with five places in some spots. Um, that's kind of my recipe for landing there when I'm just, I mean, there's Del Rey who also has flashed an individual rounds who kind of fits a little bit similar, but I like Moeller's game and form more and can land on that 60 there. I think the thing with Moller, like if we're just comparing him in isolation to Del Rey that I like, is I feel like he's been there a bit more often, right? Like I think I think Del Rey potentially is, is going to become almost exactly the same type of player and, and kind of get himself in the mix as much as Moller does, but hasn't yet. Do you know what I mean? Like he like he's he's had those kind of he's been tenth after fifty four holes and he's been fourth after thirty six holes and then just done nothing, right? Whereas I think Moller's actually been in the thick of the action. Whether he's played that well in there is you know you know a different question, but yeah, I think for me, the one thing about Moller as well is he was seventh after 54 holes here a couple of years ago. So it's a good course fit. He shot 79 on the week on the Sunday. Is that because he can't cope with being in the mix? Is that because he's trying too hard? We have this discussion all the time, maybe a little bit naive, uh, Moller. So as you said, volatile type of player, but exciting. I think it's a good point about being price sensitive. Like Hoshino, not necessarily the massive value, I guess, that people were looking for, but... I'm, if I like a player and they're kind of 45, 50s one, then then great. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I can see the the logic there. I think you mentioned Hedekilda there. Like he's coming back to a bit of form as well. Yeah, yeah. 
he caught my eye a few times um, looking to research. But landing there, um, for you, who would be next? Do we have a little bit of space? Yeah. So is the next one the one that we're going to do together? Yeah, uh, triple digits. So before we get into it, let's uh, let's give a shout out to our audio listeners. You can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix, available on all different podcast platforms for your commutes, for your hangs. For I found out Ryan Baroff falls asleep to a podcast every single night. So RB, we appreciate you um, supporting us as always. But um, rate, review, subscribe, just you know, love the support we get. Twitter interactions are always the best, especially after a good couple of weeks to kick off our year so far, Tom. So we appreciate all of you guys that uh, are listening to us. Um, and let's go right in. I've got three in the triple digits, two that are you know just 100, 125, so not much, right? But um, let's kick off with the first one, and I'll introduce us in. Tom, we backed a golfer all the way down to 50 to one after being 150, 200, 300 yeah. to open up the year. And a T63 has a lot of people off and or the books just slashing him or, or I guess doubling his price once again, yeah. basically after they had slashed the week before. I don't think we need to quit Hao Tong Lee. Why not at 100 to one? That, that- it's only that, really. Like I, like I, I said to people on here, right, that if Hao Tong suddenly started playing badly, then I would quit him and, you know, it'd be pretty easy to do. But 100 to 1 at a golf course that should fundamentally suit him and, you know, he's slightly wayward off the tee still, as we sort of mentioned, but I think he can get away with that a little bit. Um, and actually, the only time he's ever played here, he missed a cut, but he was 29th after round one, shot a 69. Um, you don't know what the weather was like on the 75. Lot, there seems to be a lot of big rounds, even for the most consistent players here. So people have like low rounds, uh, high rounds here, sorry. Um, look, there's no getting away from the fact that he wasn't very good at rounds. Whether that's a byproduct of being in the mix for a couple of weeks and not kind of getting out of it what he wanted, whether it's the form isn't sustainable and he's not actually, you know, back back or, or whatever it is. Ultimately, 100 to 1 House on Lee is worth chancing. At 50 to 1 this week, he probably wasn't. So, there's probably the the reasoning. Yeah, wind, driving. I mean, yeah. he's need he needs he can't just be off the planet, which he can get into him. But if he has an approach game that he found for a couple of weeks back, I don't see why the price is doubled and why we need to, um, I guess, wake up with the the How Tong FOMO on Thursday morning when he's T three. You know, like that's kind uh, of he'll what, he'll shoot seventy seven in round one, so it won't matter. But like it, it's. Yeah, like I can't look at a player of his quality in a field this week. That's what that's what's got to be kind of emphasised is it's the quality of player versus competition versus price. It's it's a it's a price play on the quality of player. I'm absolutely fine with with going to the well again with how Tom. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll uh, I'll go next um, with one more here before I have my last one. But similar, exact same situation here. I don't know, and this was more everybody had to back this guy, it felt like. If you weren't on him, it was like, what were you missing? But Joshua Grenville Wood, right? Ninth at Ross Alcaima. Everyone loved him for the Byron, which he had some course history at. What's he do well? He hits the ball an absolute mile. Looks like he's got a short game in him. And he did play this event as, um, I guess, a little bit different status, challenge short status, popped up and finished six, was really good off the tee, was really good with the putter. 
this area of the world he plays well at, chancing him again, to me, I think you have to go back. We're seeing some life. We're seeing area form. This isn't me sticking with Sam Jones at 500 to one after he shot 78 in the first round last week. I think there's still enough in the tank right now of the recent form and the parallels with Grenville Wood, 125 to the six way each way. Uh, him and Hao Tong just are that that mold that I'm completely good being back in our triple digits again. Is it was it you that told me about the Eddie Pepperell saying how good Grenville Woods driving was, right? Yeah, like, like his speed. He hasn't seen anybody with yeah. that much speed before. Yeah. So I'm not a golf expert. Does does speed in the wind cause issues sometimes? I I can't speak to it, Tom, because I'm an everyday hack. No, no, I'm exactly the same. So for some reason, I've kind of felt like I've, like some people can lose control of their driver. But point is, he was sick there last year, so obviously it wasn't a factor for him last year. And the worst round he hit last year was 72, right? And 67, 68, 72, 67 is very consistent scoring for someone that wasn't playing on. You said challenge or status. I thought he would have been just invited. Um, and it probably so, would have been. He was just like popping yeah. on the challenge for a little bit. Yeah. Like. I think that's a really promising thing. So, as you said, once you get into this kind of 100 to 1 range, it's kind of, I don't know, a little bit of FOMO. You don't want to bet these people, don't want to lose out on these people. Um, you throw through darts. And talking to darts, guy, uh, for me, there is one. I don't know if he's the player with the most amount of starts on the DP World Tour without a win. Um, but if he's not, he's definitely close. Uh, and it's Mike Lorenzo Vera, who... He missed the cut here last year, but he's actually 24th after round one. And the five starts before that, recent to, to least recent, second, 10th, 4th, 59th, 30th. So he got better throughout his career here. Um, the second and the fourth are very typical of Mike Lorenzo Vera at that point of his career, right? But the one thing I was, was pretty encouraged by was how well he'd kind of started this year. Uh, he was 25th at the Dubai Desert Classic, but he was actually 7th after two rounds and shot a Saturday 77. And he was 13th at the Raz Al-Khaimah, where he shot four rounds of 69 or better uh, and kind of improved from 20th to 13th throughout the week. Did miss the cut last week in Bahrain, but he actually opened with a 68 to be 13th and then shot an 80 in round two. Now, do we look at that and go, oh God, like what happens to Mike Renzo Vera? He's going to be terrible this week. Or do we look at it as... It was a bit of a freak round, and Mike Lorenzo Herrera doesn't often shoot rounds of 80, and it's probably going to be okay. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking. So I think just for consistency-wise, the, the the upside of the the place money at kind of 100, 110 to 1, for me, I think is valuable on Mike Lorenzo Herrera. Whether I believe he can truly win, um, up for debate. But I know that he can definitely place a big number. Yep, yep. Definitely a lot of signs um, overall with, with MLV and corollaries, like you mentioned. I think there, there's it is a laundry list when you get into this range of guys, right? Like that we could absolutely talk ourselves or, I mean, Peritor show, showed well. He's 125, you know. We skipped over Endicott, who played decent last week. 70s for him could have been somebody that easily was on cards. Darius Van Driel, I wasn't that unimpressed yeah he was okay I, I wondered if you go back to him like you you flagged him as this kind of person that hasn't played and it's the first time we're going to see him and, and is he just suddenly going to come right back to playing well and he, he did like he did play well like right he didn't win he didn't contend but 
He was 26th in approach, which is what he was doing kind of previous to that. He, he was hitting the ball well with his irons. Um, and yeah, 27th, I think, tee to green. So overall, his ball striking was great, which is what you kind of flagged on. I don't know what the upside is on Van Drill necessarily, um, but he was solid. I think it's, if, I don't know if we're going to get DraftKings contest this week, but if we do, that he's a player now, I think. Yeah, I, I'd be interested. I mean, overall, for him, I think it's just more... We didn't know enough about the course last week that his off the tee game, I just don't love it as much um, when we get into the, maybe this bigger ballpark. Um, trying to think. Nacho had flashed some, has played well here. Michel Luzzi finally um, had a really good Sunday and then kind of backpedaled the last few holes, but made his way up a leaderboard. Um, I saw our friend Brad Todd is on there. Ugo Kusad is still playing decent um, golf. Gearbosh, somebody we we flagged that last week he's too. The one. Like his, you you flagged him last week as someone that had played because he played well the week before, right? And they like he yes. he finished twentieth at Raz Al Khaimah, closed with sixty six. He'd hit the ball pretty well that week, I believe. Like he was fourteenth in strokes gain approach, and pretty much similar, I guess. In he was thirty sixth in tee screen, so maybe not quite as good off the tee. But uh, last week, nineteenth in tee screen. And 10th in the strokes can approach again. And he finished 8th. Like, this is... I mean, what price is he over there? I mean, he's, he was as big as 350 to 1 at one point over here today. And he was 2nd after round 1, 1st after round 2, and 4th after round 3 last week. Um, I don't know. Like, I just don't know that you can get an opportunity like that on a player like that again if he plays... But let's just say he finishes 10th or 12th this week even. Like, he's going to half in price because it's a sustained period of form again. Like, it's yep. going to happen what's happened with LaCroix. Yeah. It'll be... Yeah, just similar. It just feels like his game is shorter. Like, he doesn't fit doesn't no. fit my narrative for the week. Like, no. when I look at that, like, he's not gaining off the tee. Like, he's, he's pretty short distance-wise. I don't know. He's. I think he's just still one to have. Like, Kenya... I think if if we see another good week, Vandriel and him both for Kenya, for me, Vandriel, Kenya was where, yeah, he lost to um, Guido in the final there. So I think those two are short on my short list if we see another good week there. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anybody. Uh, I mean, I, I have one one final pick, and it's just a guy that we haven't seen on the DP world tour yet because he had been playing every Q school known to man, but Hmm. James Nicholas is now officially making his first start of the year. He made it through PGA tour first stage, second stage did not get through final stage of Q school. He made it through DP world tour first stage, second stage, final stage. We've talked a lot more on this show guess maybe not maybe i just feel people recognize the name julian surrey a little bit more if surrey was in a field right now i would be running to back him running to back him he's playing in some monday qualifiers which is coming close and close again james nicholas basically did the exact same thing without getting any starts anywhere in between and now we see him at 350 to one for his first ever dp world tour start you might recognize him more um, because he's all over Instagram. But, you know, Nicholas, when he popped up, he finished fifth, 16th and 35th. The last two finishes on the DP or on the 
Corn Ferry Tour. He only had four total starts in 2023, a handful before that in 2022. He's just somebody we don't know enough about, but based off the way to get through all of those stages of really, you know, incredible golf to, to get to be one of the few people in the world that got through qualifying school on both tours in one year, like what a feat that could be with all the pressure in the world on you. I'm backing you at three fifties in your first event. It's low. It's, it's a low cost, right? Like it, that's, that's the main thing. Like, as I always say, like at this point at 300 to one, 400 to one, I'm never going to try and argue with you because this point is, this is like it's absolutely pointless. I don't know that there's necessarily, as you, as you rightly said yourself, like we don't know enough about him to say we definitively want to play him at 300 to one. I'm like, give actually, we've just seen him play back to back weeks really well. And we know that he's going to play consistently well. And it might be that the course is not great for him, but James Nicholas is a player that, you know, as you said, people would have kept their eye on because he's, he's very good at Instagram and he does market himself very well. And to be honest, if you watched him on Instagram, you probably thought he was a better player than he is right now um because because he's very good at that but yeah i, I think it is low opportunity cost and, it, and it's fun right like it's a good player to be backing on if he goes and shoots 63 64 in round one all of a sudden you've missed that opportunity to be in when you weren't so um yeah I, i'm absolutely fine with it right um the only other guy that i had that was fringe radar josh barry went solo last week um on the challenge tour multiple times. I think he shot a 61 on Sunday, 18 years old. He got through Q school too. Um, had a couple of the DP starts before that didn't really show all that much, but that really does it for my list. Anybody else for you, Tom? Do we know? And the answer is probably no. Laurie Ruska, who I believe won on the challenge tour last year, Finnish player. I'm uh, pretty sure he either shot a 59 or a 60 to to really go like to really get that win. Um, he's just a massive price, and he's another one that we haven't seen much of. He played in Mauritius, played at Joburg, but there was no straight gain data there. But I'm just looking like at Joburg on on data golf. It says that he was plus 17.6 in distance. Like if, if that's a thing and that's how he gets by, then that could be a thing um yeah he, he was a 59er when he won there yep yeah. huh okay one to oh shelly shelly i see people like some some open championship form on him um and popped over a couple places he was somebody what about pedro too sure probably man probably you, has he uh... played since okay okay so he's another one I've already got my betting card for Kenya, Tom. So yeah. Pedro, in that break, he won in Portugal, right? He was 18th in Mauritius. Yeah. We get top 30. We're in on Pedro next week or two weeks. He's 1,500 to one this week. What are we going to get? Uh, yeah, I was like, he's not going to win this week. So you haven't got to worry about his odds coming down that much. Um, yeah, one's keeping on. Um, Aki showed up on a leaderboard, right? And he's still long. That'll always get some people intrigued. Do you know what I think people will be interested on? I, I think people will look at Chase Hanna. Because yeah, he's finished second really here, pop- right? Yeah, like he was this really popular name, wasn't he? I think we see this, right? Like we always saw this. It's a bit of a lazy narrative, probably, but I'm going to keep using it. 
um americans that are on the dv world tour i think people look out for the american flag and people that, that are kind of there right and all of a sudden he, he found some form last week finishing 35th um so i think the fact that the second on course and 35th last week might just get people interested it would come with a warning that i think it was a lot short game driven but yeah i think it's i think that someone will be someone's interested and finally mateo manasero hit the ball really nicely last week um, yeah. he's 301 but I don't think it's the course for him in the shape of game that he's in at the moment I don't think he's driving it well enough um, but yeah I think that's probably me done one final okay, okay. and then I'm going to force myself to stop <laughs> so I mentioned this on the first show of when we did in the previews of guys with just down the board Guxin yep. Chen I don't know the exact pronunciation um but he was, he's the, he is the, which, I think he had the PGA Tour of China as his order of merit winner to get him status. Uh, I mean, he's 20 years old. He had multiple top five finishes, top six finishes in the China Tour. Um, if you look back in 2022, he was winning on the Asian Developed Tour multiple times as an 18-year-old, was winning on the Chinese Tour as a 17-year-old. You know, like he he's somebody who's been, ahead of the game he has not made a cut yet but he did have a he had an ace and shot a 68 on thursday last week if i see a little bit of momentum on him he's somebody that we're gonna get crazy long odds for a while on that i just want to see a couple made cuts and then maybe jump in but um i have to stop we talked about half the field i think one person one else but yes and i think i've missed the boat on him and that's fine Brad always loves talking about his person. Sam Bairstow's playing consistently well now. Like the end of the year, 32nd and 34th, he was seventh at the halfway at the Alfred Dunhill. He shot four rounds of 71 at Mauritius, which is probably the most frustrating thing in the entire world, but it was consistent. And then he finishes 23rd at the Raz with a final round 65. And then last week, he's right in the mix after you know two rounds of 69 and 70 in the middle, goes into fourth grounds of the final round. Should have really you know, placed and, and just had a terrible final round and, and that happens. But it feels like to me like Sam Bairstow is coming to fruition a little bit, um, maybe a little bit light, lighter than Brad would have liked because I think he was on him kind of a couple of times last year. But um, early identifier of talent, Brad, uh, knowing the mini tours uh, better than most. So um, I think that, that Sam Bairstow is someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good shout. All right. We'll close it out, Tom. You run through your card. Yep, so for me, it's Frederick LaCroix at 33-1, to Rikoya Hoshino at 45-1 to with the places, Jesper Svensson at 55-1. to I'm going to join you with Hao Tong Lee. I think he's still 100-1. to And then Mike Lorenzo Vera, 110-1. to Perfect. So Frederick LaCroix, 33s together. Jesper Svensson, 55s together. Norgard Moller, um, Nicholas Norgard, just on some books. He is anywhere 45 to 60s. I've taken 60s with the top five places. Uh, Hatong Lee, 100 to 1. Joshua Grenville Wood, 125. And James Nicholas, 350. Reminder, week off next week. Back for Magical Kenya Open the following week, Tom. Let's go into that week with a winner. Enough that we can bet on Guido again and not worry about it, you know? That's what you need. You need those fun coupons back where you can like literally light them on fire and bet Guido, right? I, 
I love the fact that it's like every, I think some people probably think that you call it the magical Kenya Open as opposed to actually being called the magical Kenya Open. It just aligns with your yeah. beliefs um, and the sponsorship. But yes, a uh, week off, I'm sure, will be uh, well enjoyed after a, a busy week. But um, yeah, looking forward to getting straight back in the saddle after that. I guess that is potentially where it starts to get a little bit weird, Sky. Like, I think so. Kenya Open, then you get back to back in South Africa. Then it's going to get like Singapore. I think Singapore and the Indian Open before the Masters is where it's going to get, you're going to get some funny results. And the Korea Championship, I think when it starts to go out that way a little bit, um, we all kind of get really excited about the Japanese tour players and, and it never seems to come necessarily to fruition. Um, I think that's where we could, could get interesting. But, um, yeah, I would say I would recommend researching the Safari Tour in your time off next week. <laughs> However, Monday Q Info is letting us know that there's some Safari Tour scandals out there. They're not wow. paying players. So Robson Shinhoi needs to make sure he's on the case. Now that he's got Challenge Tour status or Sunshine Tour status for Robson. Um, but that's where somewhere where you know I'll be burying my head into some research. But cool. Well, we'll close out on that one. Thank you, Tom. As always, appreciate you. You can find him at Tom Jacobs. 93. You can find me at Skyhook DFS, and we will catch you guys all in two weeks. Thanks again.